This morning, I want to bring you a message entitled, Lift Up Your Eyes. Looking at Psalm 121, we read this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah wrote it this way. He said, lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation, God says, will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. In the New Testament, we read about lifting up our eyes in the book of Hebrews where it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lifting up our eyes. You know, it is imperative that as people of faith, we keep our eyes on the big picture. In fact, it is the narrowing of vision that causes people to act against their own value systems and against their own self-interests. Even though a person may believe in a set of values, he or she will act against those values if their focus narrows to the moment at hand. Now, what I'm sharing with you is a big deal. And if you're struggling in any area of your life about anything, if you will get this this morning, this will make a big difference in your life you see what happens when people struggle with things that they shouldn't do or don't want to do but yet they do them anyway going against what they really believe in their lives it's because of a narrowing of vision they forget to keep their eyes focused on the big picture and they focus on the moment at hand when you struggle and focus with the moment at hand it will destroy you People who struggle with addictions of any kind know what I'm talking about. They might be adamantly opposed to the very thing they do. Believe what they keep falling into is without question against their greater value system. It's not what they believe. It's not what they truly hold to, yet they do it anyway. Why? Because when the moment comes, they narrow to the moment at hand. If you're going to be a successful Christian, you have got to learn to keep a broad focus. You've got to lift up your eyes. And the way you do it is on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. You've got to do it on purpose. It won't happen automatically. I can't just have you come forward here and we'll sprinkle you with pixie dust or whatever and expect you're going to go out of here and now you're not going to have any more problems with the focus in your life. I can't pray it away for you. You have to make a decision in your life. The way to overcome any struggle, any temptation, any frustration that you're facing in your life is to keep a big picture and to do it intentionally. Let me encourage you this week. Practice this. Tomorrow, Several times a day, just stop and think. Remind yourself, what is my vision? To whom do I put my trust? What do I really believe? Am I acting in accordance with those beliefs? 
The more you practice this, the more natural it will come to you and it will set you free. You see, it's hard to get caught up at night sitting in front of a computer looking at pornography if you keep a broad vision. You keep Jesus focused in your mind as you think of what that does to you and to your family and the poison it brings into your life. Again, if you just focus on the moment at hand in your life, you will do things you don't want to do. It's because of becoming myopic and narrowed in vision. People frequently act against their own interests, their own value systems because they lose sight of those values when they lose their broad vision. You know, Jesus calls us his disciples. Now, a disciple is one who follows the disciplines of the master. Now, one of the most important disciplines we as Christians must exercise is this discipline of keeping our eyes open and our focus wide. Now, you don't hear a lot about Christian discipline today. If you were to turn on most Christian preachers uh, this morning, it's all about you. God loves you. God can't wait to just be around you all day long. It's all about you. You become the center of the universe. And while make no mistake, God does love you and care about you, I promise you, this ain't all about you. This is about him. And the moon doesn't really follow you when you drive at night. <laughs> it might come as a shock to some of you. This isn't all about you. This is about him. And there are some disciplines. Everybody say discipline. This is what makes you a disciple. There are some disciplines you need to do. And if you think Christianity is just going to dunk on you just automatically all by itself, you will be sadly disappointed and very frustrated. You've got to have some disciplines. And one of the disciplines is to constantly remind yourself in times of frustration, anger, temptation, trials, whatever it is, keep your vision up. Remind yourself who you are. I love Paul the Apostle. Writes to the Corinthians church. He heard that a lot of guys in the church were getting caught up in sexual sin. They were going to the local prostitutes in the area. It's kind of interesting, Paul's response, because a lot of times he's pretty tough beating up on people and getting in their faces. And you would have thought, boy, if there was an opportunity to yell at a bunch of guys, this would be it. This would be it. Just yell at those guys. What are you doing? Are you out of your minds? But he takes a different tact. He says, guys, don't you realize who you are. Why would he talk to them that way? Because he realized they had lost their vision. They become myopic. They become very narrow, focused, and all they can think about what they want, when they wanted at this moment. You don't realize who you are. He says, you are children of God. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. When you walk around reminding yourself that of all the time, it's hard to do things that would go against that. Keep your vision wide, your eyes open. That's why the scripture constantly tells us to lift up our eyes, to discipline ourselves, to be conscious of the big picture, to keep our focus on Jesus. Because if we maintain our greater focus, we will not yield to the temptations at hand. Show me a person who lives a defeated Christian life, and I will show you a person who consistently fails to keep the big picture of what God is doing in his or her life. I promise you, you get this. It'll set you free. Now, this is not only true with temptation.
temptations, but it's true of discouragements that comes from trials and tests that we must go through. And make no mistake, people, we all have to go through them. And it stinks. And I hate it. I hate tests. When I was in school, the worst day was test day. But make no mistake, God, as he helps you grow and instructs you and moves in your life, is going to be bringing test days to you. And it's no fun. And for some people, a test day would be a real improvement. Oftentimes, it's a test week, a tense test month, a test year and a half. It gets very difficult and can be very challenging. How do you make it through? On purpose. Everybody say, on purpose. purpose. Keep your vision up. Don't look down. Peter writes about the fact that we have to go through tests and trials. He said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Why would he have to write that? Because when we go through lousy times, it's a shocker. It does feel like something very strange is happening to you. In fact, if you're going through a real tough time in your life, the number one word coming out of your mouth is why? Why is this happening to me? I'm such a nice person. I love me. Why is this happening to me? It's a shocker. It's a surprise. It's, it's oh my goodness gracious. He says, don't think like that. It's not a surprise. These things happen. God tests people. When you suffer, he says, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed. Overjoyed. Joyed is great. Overjoyed is really great. But it doesn't feel overjoyed, does it? But if you'll do the right thing, keep your vision broad, you will become overjoyed. <laughs> Beats being overdrawn. <laughs> overjoyed when his glory is revealed. James writes it this way. He says, my brothers, consider it pure joy. Now, I like joy. Pure joy is a great blessing. But he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now that's tough. I got to tell you, when I'm going through trials of many kind, my first initial reaction is not pure joy. It's, woe is me. This is awful. This is terrible. <laughs> I walk around like Eeyore. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. Everything's so bother. So how do you get to pure joy? On purpose. Say on purpose. Listen, people, the way you succeed in anything in life is on purpose. These things don't happen by themselves. How do you walk in faith on purpose? How do you walk in victory in life when everything is against you? On purpose. How do you stay married for 37 years and not kill each other? On purpose. <laughs> These things just don't happen by themselves. On purpose, consider it pure joy. Why in the world would I consider it pure joy? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And make no mistake, without perseverance, you'll never make it into the kingdom of God. These things just don't happen. They happen on purpose. Perseverance must finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we came to Green Bay three years ago, the church was in a difficult place. They were spending $50,000 a month more than they were taking in and had been doing this for the bulk of the year. Things were not working. The church was hundreds of thousands of dollars in short-term debt. For those of you who don't understand that, long-term debt is like a mortgage, like a mortgage on the building. We have a long-term debt on the building. You know, that takes years to pay off. But short-term debt is basically a big fat credit card that you got to pay off shortly. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in short-term debt credit cards were maxed out to the roof. Things were not looking well. The church was shrinking in attendance. The pastor who had established and built this church was leaving, retiring. I had friends warn me, don't go there. Don't go there. This is a bad scenario. Whenever the founding pastor leaves, the church usually tanks out. You are headed into a disaster. But we felt God was in this. So we came, eyes open, looking wide, and God started doing some amazing things in this church. Tenants started shooting up. God was turning the finances around. Uh, all that debt got taken care of. As of right now, today, the only debt this church has is the long-term debt. There are no short-term obligations hanging over our heads. God has done an incredible, wonderful thing. We had challenges. You know, there were people who didn't like me. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> What's well, not to like? You know what I'm saying? But there were people I came along who had been here for a while. And, ah! You know, they didn't like me. And they left. But God has been faithful in blessing this church and helping us to build a church based on solid Christian principles, being real and honest and open with each other and not making it about where you come from or what color you are, how much money you have or do not have. We're just brothers and sisters in Christ who love Jesus and put him first in our lives. When the economy hit the skids last year, Churches all over America immediately saw their giving go into the tank. I know I traveled almost every weekend to churches doing seminars, and people were having a difficult time. Churches were in a state of shock. They were asking me, man, how are you guys handling it? How much are you losing? And I said, oh, we're not losing anything. Everything has stayed the same. People stayed faithful. You did not react in fear. You trusted God and didn't have an overreaction. And as God continued to bless you, you kept continuing to give into the kingdom of God. And I was so proud of you. I remember the newspaper uh, doing an interview with me and some other pastors in the community. I don't know if you remember reading that article. But most of them were talking about how everything was just taken out. And they said, how, much, how bad has it been for you at, at Celebration Church? And I, I felt guilty. pretty good actually you know I was, really <laughs> I just, you know what are you gonna say I, I didn't want him to feel bad but I'm so proud of you and I continue to be proud of you 
But make no mistake, this economy thing has finally been catching up to us. And it's okay. There have been some, a lot of people have lost their jobs during this time. There have been people who at one time were making a lot of money in this church who now make a fraction of what they were making because of the economy. And when you tithe, when you give a percentage of your income, when that income goes down, your giving goes down. And um, about the summer, we started to feel the reality of it, which is fine. It's better than just people reacting in fear, and you did not do that. But it started to feel the, we started to feel it, and, and those of you who watch our, our weekly giving, we publish that all the time. If you've been paying attention, you've seen it going down. By September, the staff met with me and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to have to make some cuts. What are we going to do? I said, well, before we do that, I said, let's see what happens as we gather together, all our campuses together. We do this one, three, five program. And boy, if you missed that, you missed a fabulous Sunday. Let me give you a little recap video of what happened on that Sunday. Sunday. Almost 3,000 people filled the KI Center. As we got together, we just celebrated Jesus. And uh, we had been teaching that uh, we wanted to take a special offering. And uh, people, if, if, you, if you missed it, I'm telling you, it, the, the presence of God was so powerful in that building that day as people came forward and gave according to their abilities, even in the midst of the struggles that we're all facing. Clearly, if anybody would have said to you that you could take a special offering during these economic times, they would have told you it cannot be done. You're being foolish. But people stepped forward and gave $182,000 on that Sunday. Which you know, helps us to move on and continue to doing what we're doing. However, the reality is we're still faced with the weekly shortfall 
based on where we were a year ago. And we are going to have to make some cuts. At least we know where we stand. The encouraging thing, there's no way you could have been part of that service and not got the overwhelming sense that people love this church and they love God and we are in this together. But just like you're tightening your belts, we're going to have to tighten ours. Now that sounds extremely reasonable and I'm sure most of you have no problem with a statement like that until we cut something you really love. <laughs> and we don't know what those are going to be. Uh, we'll be meeting over the next couple of weeks with uh, our pastors and our elders of our church and, and prayerfully consider, okay, what, what are we going to have to do? Where are we going to tighten our belts? You have to understand, understand something. We don't do things frivolously here at Celebration Church. Everything we do, we do on purpose. We do it for a reason, to touch people's lives and to encourage people and when you have to step back from that and to cut back on that, um, it won't be without pain. It won't be without frustration for some who dearly love whatever it is that'll have to be cut back. But keep your eyes lifted up, okay? Keep the big picture. This is merely a moment in time. This is temporary. This church will continue to move forward. We will continue to reach out. We will continue to give and support one another. We are going to do all the things. We just can't do everything we've been doing uh, at the level we were. And uh, it will be fine as we meet the challenges that lie ahead for us. Let's make a determination today that we will not narrow our focus. We will not fear. We will not be afraid. We are going to keep our vision up and out and look forward. God is not done with us yet. We ain't dead yet. Hallelujah. Someday I will be in a box up here. And you better all come. And I want lots of crying everywhere, crying everywhere. <laughs> but until that day, I'm going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. As long as God gives us breath, we will continue to serve him and move forward with the kingdom of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And on that cheery note of death, <laughs> Let's have our ushers come forward, our musicians come back, and we will turn our attention to our, our communion service this morning. Where are you at this morning in your life? As Peter said, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. I know it feels strange. I know it feels awful. Don't be surprised. But this is temporary. This is building character and trust in you. Do not fear, do not panic, do not be afraid. As Hebrews said, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And as the psalmist wrote, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. My help comes from the Lord. Where are you at in your faith this morning? Do, do you know this wonderful Jesus we're talking about? Talk about sacrifice. God so loved us, he sent his son to die on the cross for us so that we could experience forgiveness of sins. That's what we celebrate during communion. His body broken for us, his blood shed, so we could know his love and grace in our lives. You cannot fix this yourself. Don't become so myopic in your own life. You think, ah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. I'm okay for today. Hey, 
Lift up your eyes. Look around. You got a whole life here and the biggest challenge we're all going to face and there will be no exceptions is when we are in that box someday and facing eternity. Where are you at with God this morning? If you've never truly surrendered your life to him, I'm going to invite you all to bow your heads with me. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you will open up your hearts and believe this prayer with us and pray this along, you can surrender your life to God this morning. You can experience his forgiveness and grace in your life as you take your first steps of faith. Let's pray this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you loved me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. And I now surrender to you. 